I heard a story about a family from Arkansas had went up north to visit um, New York. It was their first time out of the state, and they were all excited, you know. And so when they got there, they were just blown away at how busy the city was and all the traffic going around and how tall the buildings were. They were just in awe. So they walked into their hotel to check in, and when they got there, they um, walked into the front desk, and the busy buzzing all around there, they saw this old lady in a walker come walking across the lobby. And it caught the guy from Arkansas's attention. You know, she was barely getting across, moving at a snail's pace, and walks over to a wall that has this big silver door on it, reaches over and pushes the button, and the door's open. So she walks her way in, and the door's closed. And he was like, wonder where that goes. And he waited, and he waited, and a few minutes later, the door reopened, and an absolute beautiful 25-year-old, drop-dead gorgeous lady stepped out. And the dad looked at his son and said, hurry, go put your mom in there. Because he thought he'd found the secret to transformation. And so we're on a series today called The House of Transformation. Because, you know, all of us, if we're honest with each other, would admit that we need God to change some things about who we are. We desire God to change some things about what we're going through. And we know God wants to change things that we're being. And there's good news. Our God is a God of transformation. We're on a series right now called The House. And, you know, what we're talking about, I always have to lay this out because we have different people over there. But, you know, when we're talking about the house, house represents lots of things. One represents a church. This is the house of God. Two, it can represent you because you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. The one term is the house of the Holy Spirit. Um, you're the, um, it can represent your family and your household. If you fill out an application, it says number and how one person can be a household. So one person can be represented by a house. A city is represented by a house. It has a courthouse that represents the governing over a city. Uh, our nation has the White House. It's a representative of a house. So when, I, when I, I keep saying this, when I'm preaching these series on the house, this can apply to any part of our world. You personally, I pray that every one of these houses is what our church is. And I believe that is our vision and our goal for our church to be these. But the truth is, if our nation would apply these principles, their whole, the whole story that we're living in would be different. Because the principles of God dealing with the house are absolute truth. So today we're going to be talking about the house of transformation. Because God's plan for us is not to stay the way that we are. And I'm going to make a statement that's a hard statement, but we don't believe the church, what the church of Christ believes. The church of Christ believes that you were born perfect. And then you messed up when you got older. So you were born perfect. And as you got older, you were perfect until you messed up 14, 15, 16 years old. And then you got to try to get back perfect. We don't believe that. What we believe in the scripture is that ever since Adam and Eve, Adam was the only person created perfect. And then when they sinned, we were all born into a fallen world and we're born with a sinful nature. In other words, I did not have to teach my kids to back talk. 
They were born knowing how. I didn't have to teach my kids how to say no when I tell them what to do. They were born. I didn't have to teach my kids how to be selfish. They were born knowing that because we were all born into a fallen world with a sinful nature. And we were dead spiritually. But when we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, all things are born again. We are born new. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And the truth be told is there are three, each one of us, there are three people that you are. There's the you that you used to be. There's the you that you are now. But I'm here to tell you, if you keep a hold of God, there's a you that you're going to be that you never thought you would be able to be because God's still a transforming God. And so today I want to talk about the principles of transforming and what the Bible says God wants to do for you, in you, and through you. And you can always tell if you're in the right church or if you're in a good church is if people that come in and they're there any length of time, their life begins to transform. God's working on their behalf and their life gets better. You're not in a good church. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're in a church and you're the exact same way you were when you came in. Because that's not God's plan for the righteous. The Bible says the righteous are like this. It says they are like the light of the dawn, but grow brighter and brighter to the light of the full day. When you come into the relationship with God, your light might not be that bright, but the longer God's at work in your light, your life, your light gets brighter and brighter and brighter because God gets the glory more and more and more out of seeing your life transform into what you were created to be. And so today I want to talk about the process and the way God does it. So we're going to lay it out real quick. Hopefully that makes some sense with this thing with you. But uh, let's start off in Romans chapter 2, 12, verse 2. And it says, Do not be conformed to this world. All right, that word means uh, do not live according to the pattern of the world. Don't you agree that this world has a pattern that says what success looks like, what happiness looks like, what, uh, you know, being a, a good person looks like. The world has a pattern. This says don't be conformed to that pattern. Don't be conformed. Don't, do not be conformed to this world. But be ye transformed. You need to understand something. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. That's what that scripture says. You're not just the cute little two-year-old you were when you were born. I mean, as you're growing older, you're getting better or you're getting worse. You're either being conformed to this world or you're understanding that God is wanting to transform you and your life into what the Bible says here. What it says is, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of the Lord. A lot of people think God just has one will. He doesn't. He will let you settle at whatever level of His will you choose to. He said, there's the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of the Lord. I want you to know something. If you think you've gone as far as God has for you, and you're still breathing, you're not there yet. Because God wants better for you. He has more for you. He's at work on your behalf. And man, you may not be what you, I tell Jennifer all the time. 
girl, you better be glad I'm not what I used to be. And I better be glad that I'm not going to stay the way I am. Because if I kept, I got to be honest with you, my wife's amazing and she loves me. But if God don't keep changing me, I might not have her in a few years because there, she deserves much better because God is transforming her. Does that make sense? God wants you to be transformed. You're not to stay this way. God's, and the transformation hand of God is amazing. Let me show you a picture of it real quick in the scripture. Because this is the way the transforming power of God works. Alright, there's pardons for your past. That's where it starts. But it's not supposed to stop there because it also wants to bring power into your present. But that's not where it stops either. See, God wants to keep moving your life to there being promises in your future. God wants your life to keep transforming until every time you open the Word of God and you see one of the pictures He's put inside of there of you, it's a reality. You say, well, Cricket, what pictures in the Bible? There's 7,000 pictures in the Bible of your future. They're called promises. And when you open the Bible and you read the promises of God wanting to bless His people, and you're saying, well, God, I don't see the blessings yet. He's, keep, he's transforming you. Keep letting Him transform you. Because every promise in the Scripture is a picture of your tomorrow. If you allow God's transforming power to be at work. You know, Mark 4 tells a story where Jesus walks up to the disciples. And He said, let us cross over to the other side. The truth is, there's a lot of things in our lives that we just try to get over, get through, get past, heal from, try to forget and block out. But the truth is, God doesn't want any of that. God wants you to cross over. And the only way for you to really cross over is for you to take the power of the gospel and allow it to cross you over, transform you into what God, He don't want you bruised, broken, hurt. He don't want you insecure and depressed and afraid. He doesn't want all of that in your future. So He's willing to do whatever it takes, and He's already done it all for you to cross over into what God has for you. The Bible says this about your future. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has even entered into the thought of man. In other words, another translation says, you have not even imagined how amazing God's future is for you, for those who love the Lord. So if your life is not that level yet, you need to understand, God will faithfully complete the work, the Bible says in uh, Philippians, He will faithfully complete the work that He has started in you. So my question is, how? If those are the promises, and that's what God's wanting to do, how do I make promises reality? And that's what we're going to share today, is how to get the power of transformation at work in your life. Amen? Amen. Alright, so we're going to jump into it. One of the best pictures to see in the New Testament of the power of transformation is actually found in John chapter 16. And it says this, and well, Brother Jason David, when he was here, he preached this one of the best ways I've ever heard it preached. But he said, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? The son, who, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? 
So they said, some say you're John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, I want to stop right here and say this about this part. It says, who do men say that I am? We're about to release the secret to transformation. Most of us live our lives based on what men have said that we are. And if you build your life, and that becomes the foundation of who you are, by who men say that you are, let me let you know something. You, you got some people that probably really love you, and you got some people that probably really hate you. And the sad thing about it is because men are men, some of the ones that really love you have said some of the same things that, of the men that really hate you, but no man, no matter how much they love you, have said your potential of what you could be. And this scripture proves it to us because they say, we're talking about Jesus who was healing people, who was born from a virgin birth at the age of 12 or smarter than the Pharisees working in the temple. We're talking about Jesus who turned water into wine. He was invited to all the parties. We're talking about Jesus who could walk on water. And and they still, men said he was less than the Son of God. I'll be honest with you. If you come in walking on water in here, I'm going to question whether you're the new Jesus. Um, you're just what you do. But see, do you see the nature of man here? Even after Jesus was being Jesus, men still downplayed what that he was. But then check this out. It says, and he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, now check it out, and this is an underlining part. It said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. Now check out what he did. He showed the power and the secret to transformation. He said, Simon Barjona, he called him that on purpose. That name means weak sand. He said, weak sand. You did not know this. But my father in heaven, the only way you could have is if he told you this. And because you heard him tell you this, you are now Peter. Which means the rock. So the secret to transformation is not what people think about you, not the change that others may see, not labels that you've been stamped with, and not how good people think that you are. The secret to transformation is when you are able to take the Word of God and put it into your life. It transforms you into what the Word of God says you can be. He was weak as sand. God's word went in him and he became Peter. The Bible says upon this rock is what I'll build my church. The word of God transforming people's lives is what I'm going to build my church on. And he said, and the gates of hell will not be able to defeat or prevail against this. The power of transformation in someone's life all comes down to the amount and the area in the way they allow the Word of God 
to exist and be a part of who they are. Hebrews 1, 3 says this, Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, we're talking about Jesus, His capital H, and upholding all things. You think, all right, well, Jesus can uphold the whole world. The whole world's held together by Jesus. No. It says the whole world is held together by His Word. Which is held together by the Word of His power. The Word of God is what's holding your entire life and being together. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 4. The Bible says that the devil came to Jesus and said, If you're really the Son of God, command these stones to be turned to bread. And Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Your life is dependent on the Word of God at work inside you. There's a, I heard a story one time about these three guys that went out to the desert. And they were going to have to take a three-day journey. And on their three-day journey, they were all allowed to carry one thing. And so they went up to the first one and says, you know, what are you going to bring? He said, you know, I'm going to bring a gallon of water because I know this three-day journey is going to get hot. And it's going to be, you know, long. And so if I get thirsty, I'll have my water to drink. He went to the second one and said, man, what are you going to bring? You get to bring one thing. What are you going to bring? He said, I'm going to bring a sack full of sandwiches. So on this three-day journey, when I get hungry and weak, I reach into the sack and get out a sandwich and eat it. And they went up to there and said, all right, well, what is your thing? He said, man, I'm going to bring a car door. He said, a car door? He said, yeah, this is a three-day journey in the desert. I know it's going to get hot. So when it gets hot, I'm going to roll the window down. All right. That's as foolish as it can possibly be. But the Bible says the, it's the wisdom of the world is the foolishness of, to God. The, the wisdom to God is foolishness to men. We spend our lives trying to approach and try to achieve and get the things of this world. But Jesus said this, if you just got one thing, if you can only keep a hold of one thing, you only need one thing in this life to make it. And that is the word of the Lord. If you understood how powerful God's Word is, it's better than any job at any pay. It's better than any doctor involved, no matter how many degrees he has. It's better than any marriage counselor that you could ever go see. Marriage counselors can't change a man's heart. But the Word of God, the Bible says, can turn a heart of stone into a heart of flesh again. If I have one thing, one thing in my life that I can keep a hold of, it better be the Word of God. Anything else is as dumb as a car door in the desert. And so today we want to talk about the Word of God. Now, let me explain to you again. I want to break it down as simple as I can first before we get into how to apply the Word of God. I want to explain to you just what is the Word of God. You know, if you go to John 1, 1, it says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is the second person in the Godhead of the Trinity. The Word is not just rhetoric, words in a book. It's not just 
stories on a page. But if it were just stories on a page, the Bible in its simplest form is the most accurate history book that has ever been printed on the planet. And the thing about it, they've not been able, people have tried to go through the Bible and disprove all kinds of parts of it. They've not been one thing in the Bible ever disproved. As a matter of fact, some of the greatest atheists that have ever lived decided they were going to disprove parts of what the Word of God said. And in their journey, they had to give up on their quest and they've had to completely succumb to God is real. His word is alive and it has changed me. Lee Stobel was a, was a lawyer and a journalist. And so he decided, and an atheist, he decided he was going to disprove the Bible. And they said to disprove the Bible, he could have, would have to disprove the resurrection of Jesus. He got halfway through his book, writing it from a lawyer's journalist perspective, and he had an encounter with God. Just by studying the word. And now he's become one of the leading Christian authors of books of all times. He, God just transformed him. You've got to understand. The word of God at its simplest form is a history book. And in its simplest form is a history book. History is either for you to learn from or you'll repeat. So if you want to know how to be successful, you better get in the word. Find out the people that were successful through the history of the Bible. Find the ones that weren't. Do what they did and you'll be what they are. Alright, so on its simplest form, it's that. On its next form, it is an informational book. There's more information stored within the pages of the Bible than there are in the New York Library. They took it when they started going digital. And they were putting all the books in the New York Library into digital form. They took the Bible and put it into digital form. The New York Library had 9 million bits of different information. The Bible had 13 million bits of information in it. The Bible in its true form has no periods, day, I mean, uh, addresses or anything. That is nonstop. You've, I mean, you guys have ever heard of the Bible code? There, there people are reading the Bible and they're able to look back and see that it was predicting events. So we had, it, the Bible, the Bible says, is a living, moving, breathing. It, it is quick, it's sharp. The Word of God is not just an informational book. But if you want to take it to that, you can get the greatest information of anything. It's, 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 it's more than an information book, it's even an answer book. Every answer you ever have needed in your life pertaining to anything that you've ever needed an answer of, it's already been in the book. The Bible has every answer for health, every answer for wealth, every answer for relationships. It's the greatest answer book that has ever been published and written. The Bible, as a matter of fact, in the 1970s, Bill Gother, he's a pastor up in North Arkansas. It's actually, this is medically journaled, had a kid in his church that was playing football Broke his femur bone, which is one of the biggest bones in your body. Broke it, playing football. They put him in a hospital, put him in full traction. And while he was in traction, they gave him every meal, milk and meat, because milk does a body good, builds strong bones. Meat's protein does strong bones. After six weeks, they cut the cast off. The bone was completely still broken, not mended at all. Put him back in for six weeks more. Took it off, not mended at all. His pastor, Bill Gothel, was reading his Bible in prayer, praying over the kid one day, and found in the book of Leviticus, Don't seed thy milk with thy meat. 
So he went to the boy's hospital, asked the doctors to give him milk in the morning, meat in the evening. The kid walked out of the hospital completely healed three weeks later. Now it is medically proven, it's been in the Bible for thousands of years, that when you eat meat and drink milk at the same time, the calcium in meat, I mean in milk, cancels out the protein in milk, or (laughs) vice versa, and they both go right through your body and your body gets neither one of them or any good out of it. So they separate, it's been in the Bible. The whole time. If you're looking for answers how to fix your marriage, read your Bible. It's the Word of God. But even beyond an answer book, it is the living, breathing, moving, transforming Word of God. It renews minds and it washes people to righteousness. You say, well, Cricket, you know, people, I've been to church all year and they're just trying to brainwash you. You better be so glad that the Word of God has brainwashed me. You don't understand how dirty this thing can be. And if you knew how dirty this thing could be, you would be hoping I would be brainwashing it every day. Because the Word of God is the, the Bible says, has the power, it's quick as sharp. It can separate soul from spirit. Let me go a step further with the Word of God. It's what God uses to work in your life. If you go to Genesis 1.1, this is what the Bible says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then it says, the earth was void and without form. That word is tohu and bohu in the Hebrew. Tohu and bohu. Void and without form. One translation says formless and with, or void and formless. All right? That word means bohu and tofu. Bohu and tohu means chaos and disorder. It says, in the beginning, God created them, and the earth was full of chaos and disorder, and darkness covered the face of the earth. All right? But then check it out, and it says, and the Spirit was hovering. You've got to understand this about life. Anytime you take the Word of God out of a situation... We all, your life, nature, everything, will resort back to, it will default back to its natural state, which is chaos and disorder. You take a garden and you remove a gardener from working in it. It won't take just a matter of time. Mine looks like this right now. It looks like a patch of weeds because it it set to default... That garden, even though I tilled it, I stuck the finger there, I planted it, covered it up, and they, the, the, the kale starts springing up, and the uh, Brussels sprouts start springing up. I haven't been back in it since, and now it's chaos and weed patch. Any area in your life that the Word of God is not at work in, you're going to find chaos, disorder, and darkness. Now, this is the truth about that. The Holy Spirit can be there, but He can't do nothing. The Bible says it was void, formless, and darkness covered the face, and the Spirit was hovering. 
Aren't you glad he didn't take a break? He was there hovering. You know what hovering is? You, you ever had anybody hover over you? Jennifer's got this bad habit that when I sit down on my computer and I ask her, hey, Jen, how do you make this happen on a computer? She'll come hover over me. And what she's really doing is saying, just get out of the way and let me do it for you. And so she'll just hover over me until finally I'm like, all right, don't teach me, just do it. And so she'll get on there and do it. You ever had anybody hovering over you? The Bible says here that this is what was going on. Chaos, disorder, darkness. And the Holy Spirit was hovering, but he couldn't do anything. It says, until God said, let there be light. And the minute the word of God got interjected into a world of chaos, disorder, and darkness, the Holy Spirit jumped at it and started making things take place. And there was light. See, I can look in my lives and the areas of my life where I see there's darkness, chaos, and disorder. I can start trying to find where the word of God is in this. And if I can't find the Word of God at work in there, then guess what the Holy Spirit's doing? He's just hovering saying, put the Word in. put Because the, the God works through the power of His Word. A lot of times we want God just to do it. God just do it. We want experiences from God. We come to church wanting an experience. But the truth is, a lot of times we don't give God anything to work with. Because we want to show up, let Him do all the work. And God is saying, I can do all. All the work, if you'll just put the Word of God in its place so I can work through. And so, here in Genesis, the world stayed in chaos. And then check out what it says. God did not say anything was good until first the Word came in. And then the Spirit started moving. Then He said, and He looked at the light and said it was good. He did not look at the darkness and say the darkness was good. As a matter of fact, it says he had to separate the light from the dark. The Bible does the same thing with people. Did you know that? The Bible separates people as sons of light and sons of darkness. Do you know what the difference in the two are? The sons of darkness, the Bible says, are those that have rejected the word. And refused the wisdom in the counsel of God's word. But the sons of light, they follow and are led by the word. The Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The difference of the good things in someone's life comes down to where is the word? Anything in your life that was not put and brought to you and worked in you through the word of God, it's only a matter of time before it becomes chaos and disorder. You say, well, Cricket, the Bible didn't say I could date Billy, but I'm dating Billy. Give it time. I've seen them things cause people more chaos, more disorder, and bring in more hurt, brokenness. Because the Word of God's not at work in their situation. You say, Cricket, this is such a simple message. We're going to jump into the message in a minute. The Bible says the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. See... God separated the light and the darkness because people that refuse and push away and don't understand the power of God's Word at work in their life, it's like they're walking around in a dark room just trying to find things to pick up. Think about picking things up in a dark room. You don't know what you're picking up. You might pick up something good. 
But you could also pick up something bad. And so when you're not led and driven and taught by the Word of God, what happens is you go through life by chance. And you may pick up something good today, but whatever you pick up tomorrow could be the very thing that takes it all away in the first place. Because God never intended for you to live without light. God never intended for you to live without the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Therefore, God never intended for you to live without the Word of God being working and apart. problem is, a lot of times we just don't understand that everything in our life is dependent on the Word of God. The Bible says the entire world is held together by the Word. Hebrews says it's the Word. Everything in your life right now is being held together. By the word at work in your life. You say, Cricket, I don't got any word in my life. Well, somebody in your future, in your past, your parents, your grandparents, somebody, what you have good in your life is what they were believing in the word before you. Because there's nothing good until the word was inserted and began to work. Um, I want to read a a story in the Old Testament because I always believe stories kind of lay out. Things that I, I, I'm a story person. I see storyline, but we're going to jump to Second Kings chapter four, and hopefully this will bring some clarity to transformation. I'm going to read an old time story. I'm going to try to bring it modern to understanding. But it says, "Now it happened." Want you to know something? Anytime you involve the word, things start happening right now. You want your situation to begin to change, just like this story. The minute we started reading the word, now it happened. I love how now, God, Bible says faith is, now faith is. A lot of times we allow the enemy to convince us that the word of God is not working now, it's going to work later. I'm here to tell you, it's working now. If the word of God is present, it's working now. And it says, and now it happened one day that Elijah went to Shunammah. Now, this word Shunema actually comes from a word that says it's uh, called unlevel or two resting places. And a lot of times as Christians, we don't see the transforming power of God in our lives because we live in a place called Shunema. We have two places that we try to live in at the same time. We have our Christian life and then we have our real life. We have our... Christian walk, and then we have our work, and we have our Christian life, and then we have our school. And it's hard for us to understand that God wants to take both lives or both places and put them together. He doesn't want His Word just working at church. He wants His Word working in your life. But the thing about it is, in this story, this lady was living in a place that was two places. She was living in a double life place. And so she realized, we'll jump into it, and it says this, and it says, Well, now it happened, one day Elijah went to Shunammah, where there was a notable woman. Now, any time the Bible says somebody's notable, that's a hint to take out a piece of paper and take some notes. Because she's about to tell us something. It says, this lady's worth taking notes on. It says, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. Now, I want to break this just a bit. This was a good lady. Now, she lived in a life that was, she had two places she was living in. She was living 
in the world and she's living in her Christian walk. And, you know, they were obviously separated places. But the Bible says that she knew that the prophet was passing by. She was a good lady. And I love this. She understood the importance of the word of God. In the Old Testament, the word of God was carried by prophets. They spoke and they carried the word of the Lord. So she, they, it was the weight that they carried was the word of God. And so she knew when Elijah was come by, that was the word of the Lord. And she had an opportunity to get involved in the word of the Lord. And so the Bible said this, she persuaded him. She wanted it. She had a desire for what the word could do in her life. She had a desire to sit and know the word. She had a desire. So she didn't just go and invite. She was persistent and persuaded. She was hungry for the word. And then the Bible said this. She would invite. She persuaded him. In, and then she would sit down and she fed him. I see this being a great Christian lady going to church. Supporting a ministry. Feeding a ministry. Because she knows that there's power in the word of God. Now, let me let you know something. You know you're in a good church when the Word of God is working. And when people come in that church, their lives are transformed. If you're in a church and everybody in that church is exactly the way they were when they come in, you need to get in a church that is decided that the Word of God is the number one importance to us. Because the Word of God is the power to change and transform. And if people aren't coming in the church one way, and over time, as they stay there, their life begins to transform and change, and then they go out in the world a different way than when they came in, then the Word of God is not at work in that church. Because you can't put the Word of God into a situation and it not transform the situation. The Bible says the Word of God was sent out and it will perform what it was sent to do. So I I always pray, I want us to be a church that teaches and preaches the Word of God. Because Paul said like this, I am not ashamed of the gospel, which is the Word of God, for it has the power to save. I love Wade, he just got up and walked out, and I was going to talk about him, I was talking about him when he walked out. When he walked in here two years ago, he walked straight from jail. Got out of jail, walked straight from jail. Came in, sit in a service. Penniless broke. Me and him sit right over there and talked. And he told me his situation. Told me his circumstance. And I got to be honest with you. I told him what the word said. Because I want to give you a secret. Oh, I'll tell you that in a minute. I told him what the word says. And I loved it. You saw it in his eyes. He believed it. He believed it. And then he didn't just believe it. But he decided that he's got to have that word at work in his life. And we've watched him. If you're a part of that, you've watched him. Penniless and out of jail. All of a sudden, boom. Dude, I'm talking about you, Wade. I, I didn't mean to talk about you when you was going, went out of church. <laughs> but I said, he came in penniless. But he believed the Word. And the Word started working. And it wasn't just that next week he had a job. And then that job turned into him being able to buy a truck. That truck turned into him being able to get a camper. Then that camper took him to a place where he met a wife. Then he met a wife and they got a house. And then he's got more jobs than he has time to do. Wade's got thousands of dollars in the bank. I'm just telling you his business. If you want to borrow some money, his name is Wade. All right. 
And the reason why I know this, because we talk about this stuff. But the power of God's word, I've watched it transform. I got to be honest with you. If we did not see lives like this in our church get transformed by the power of God's word, I would have to go to a different church. You say, well, cricket, my life ain't changing like that. I'm going to tell you the secret how to make that happen today. But it said this, it says she would know he would come by and she. So what it says, occasionally he would come by and he would eat. I see this girl being a good Christian girl and, you know, she supported ministries. And when she had a chance to go sit under the word, she did. Occasionally, it said it wasn't a part of everything. It wasn't involved everywhere. It said occasionally. So. I picture it like Sunday to Sunday. The Word was involved in her life. She would get in the Word on Sunday. And then she'd be able to be good all week long. But then by Friday and Saturday, you know, she, the power was fading. So she'd come back on Sunday and get in the Word. And, but what happened was she started seeing the effects of the Word in her life. And she desired more. So it says here, it says she went to her husband and she asked her husband... Can we just not do this word thing occasionally? Can we not bring it into our house? And can we not make it a place in our life? And can we not make a room for it in our day-to-day living? And can we not... And look exactly how she said it here. She said, as she said to her husband, Look, I know that this is the holy man of God who passes by us regularly. They became regular church attenders. But now she said... The power of what God's been doing in just regular church, I want more of it. She said, so please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a, be- put a bed in for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Amen. She said, regular is not enough anymore. I got to go all in. Me and Wade had this conversation yesterday. What would happen if everybody in this room went all in? Let me, I mean, just could you imagine if everybody in this room went all in and said, I do not, and I am unsatisfied now with the word being at work just regularly? I got to have it at work all the time. Every day I get up, it's got a place in this house. And every day I get up, there's a place it should be, and it can be sitting and resting in my life. The Word of God should be at sitting, working, resting in our house. Then she said this, and not only do we want it to have a place where it can come and sit and rest, let's put a table in there so it can start working here. What would happen if the Word of God started working in our life? And then she said, well, let's put in a lampstand so that it can start illuminating and showing us things in our house and in our lives and in our families. What would happen if the Word of God was a part of who we are? And the Bible says this, The Bible says that when she did that, that the prophet was sitting talking to his servant one day. And he looked at her and he said, what can I do for you? Let me tell you what the word of God is asking you right now. It's been asking you this since God spoke it. What can I do for you? If there's a number one question the Word of God asks, 
It's what can I do for you? Every day when I get up and I open my Bible, the Word of God is saying, Cricket, what can I do for you today? And you say, well, Cricket, show it to me in the Scripture, okay? The Bible says blind Barmaeus was sitting and he heard that Jesus was passing by, which was the Word. Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he heard that Jesus, the Word, was passing by. And it says, he jumped up and he started yelling, Jesus, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on him. Put a demand back on the Word, because the Word's the one that said he come from David. And this is what Jesus said. Bring him to me. He says, what do you want me to do? See, we read the Bible wrong. A lot of times we're reading the Bible and we're reading it, trying, and the, we see in the Bible what God wants us to do. I'm here to tell you this. That's not what the Word of God is asking you. The Word of God is asking you, what can I do for you? Everything about the Word is for you. Everything about the Word is for your good. Everything about the Word of God is to transform your life from what it is now to what God knows it can be. Now, they say, well, there are Ten Commandments. Create that's a bunch of rules of that I can't. You know, look in the garden. God said, you can't touch that tree. No, do you know what the Word of God said in the garden? It says, don't touch that tree so I can protect protect you. Everything about the Word is to protect you. Everything about the Word is to heal you. The Bible says He sent forth His Word to heal their disease. The, everything in the Word of God is to bless you. The word, Everything in the Word of God is to give you the strength and the power to be free from sin. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The power of God is revealed through the working of the Word in your life. And the word is saying, what can I do? Well, cricket, I got, my marriage is a mess. Well, what does the word say? Because the word is saying, what can I do for you? So you open the word and you go to the scripture that says, my marriage, that God will, God will be and make and heal and do and all those things about what God wants to do for you. And you find it in the word. Because once you put the word into a chaotic and dark situation, the power of the Holy Spirit has something to work with. The problem with it is we just keep showing up saying, God, we want you to work in this chaotic and dark spot. And it's just like in Genesis. He can't work because there's an absence of the word. And so she says, I got to get the word at the level where it rests in our life. And it has a table to work in my life. And it has a light to illuminate things in my life. And the word says, what can I do for you? And she says, nothing. I got, I'm blessed. Do you know why she was blessed? Because she knew the power of the Word. And she has a history now of the Word being with her. You watch you watch people that come in and start applying the Word of God in their life. Their life gets better and better and better. And I'm glad that, you know, most of the time as, as churches and stuff, as people in ministries that we're in, we don't usually see people till they've been in the darkness so long that they come in and they need their light bills paid. Or they need their, they want us to pray over the doctor's report and those kind of things because they've stayed away from the word so long that it's in dire situations to begin to work now. But I'm here to tell you, the longer you work with the word, your light goes brighter and brighter and brighter to the light of the full day. This was not a poor lady. She was very rich. She had the power of working of God, the power at work in her life. And she realized that God still wants more for me. The word can still do more. For me, I don't got to just have be rich. She obviously had a good marriage. She asked her husband to remodel, and he said, okay. That's a pretty good marriage. 
right? Jennifer asked me to marry. I mean, to remodel. I'm like, Jen, now. This girl had a great life because the word was at work. But she understood there was more for her. And so then the word of God began to not just say, what do you want? Because a lot of times we don't know what's wrong with us. The water of God began to reveal. Because there was something inside this lady that money couldn't fix. It was something, or she would have done paid to have it fixed. There was something inside this lady that no one could take care of. Because the prophet looked at her and said, she doesn't have a son. And he looked at her and he said, this time next year, you'll have a son. The word of God has the power to reveal things that are so deeply broken on the inside of us that they've been keeping us from going and being what we've been able to be for God our whole life. I remember, I grew up in a good home. Mom and dad, good Christians, pastor my whole life, sheltered. I've been, I, I had no reason to complain. But I grew up so insecure and messed up. And I remember sitting in the service that I was sitting in when the Word of God revealed that my whole life the devil had convinced me that my only value is what I can do for people. So I'd spent my life being a people pleaser. I'd even moved into ministry pleasing people. Everything I did pretty much was to get people's approval. And I had no idea that's what this was, but it was always this burden. I needed to do more. I needed to do more, but I was in that service and the word of the Lord spoke and it said, you are not a tool. You have been made. And I knew you before your mother's before your mother. That meant that, man, before I ever did anybody for me anything, God knew me. And he said, I'm wonderfully and beautifully created. And he had a plan for me. My name, I, it just, whoosh, broke off everything that had been holding me back for so long. I collapsed in tears and healing started taking place in my life. And I've never been the same since. For the next year, I read Psalms 139 because to think I would ever stand up here and preach because of my learning disabilities and my reading levels and all that. But the Word of God transformed that to where now I know that it doesn't matter what I do anyway. If it's not the Word of God, there's no power behind it. See, that thing on the inside of you that's been so broken for so long that, has, that whether somebody did it to you or your circumstances that you grew up in and you have given up any hope of this ever getting fixed, the Word of God can reveal and can heal. And he said, this time next year, you've not been able to have kids, but the Word of the Lord is this time next year. What everyone has said you can't do, this time next year. The physical holding backs of what kept a child and a few, because a child was a future to them in those days. And so this time next year, the Word is going to put a future into your hands. And she stepped back and said, don't tell me this. It's a weird response because I'm here to tell you this. The Word of God has the power to do such an amazing thing in your life. You can't even believe it. And that's what happened here. The thing that the Word told her was going to take place, she wanted to argue because she knew what was wrong. She knew what had happened. She knew how much she tried. And she knew the brokenness inside. 
But the Word of God is not limited to anything you know or anything anyone has ever said about you at any time. The Word of God is the power that God can work through. And when you find out what God's Word said about it, the Holy Spirit starts moving through that thing. And the Bible says, that time next year, she had a boy. And as a matter of fact, for the next 12 years, that boy was doing great. Doing great. And right when that young boy, because in Jewish life, boys go from 12 to manhood. We're, we're one of the only nations that actually have what we call teenage years. And now in millennials, we have teenage years and young adult years. That's two scenes that nobody has to do nothing. All right, parents get to pay for everything. But here, in Jewish tradition, it went 12 years old to manhood. At 12 years old in Jewish, they could go get a job. They could go to make loans. They were treated as men. And right before he was making that step into the next phase of his life, the Bible says he was out in the field working with his father. And he started hollering, my head, my head. Let me get you, tell you a secret on how the devil tries to keep you from transforming into this next season or the next stage or the next blessing, the next level God has for you. He starts fighting you in your head. He don't fight you in your hand because if your hand dies, you can still become. But when your head dies, it's over. And he starts saying, my head, my head. The devil will start trying to make you think things and believe things that are not in the word of God. And he will wait till you're right in the heat of a day, working just as hard as you can. And you know, you're right on the brink of this. He was 12 and he was out working in the field about to become a man. And that's when the head, the thoughts the Bible says in Daniel 725, it says the, the, the spirit of the Antichrist will speak lies against the most high to wear the saints out, to change the seasons and the laws. And so the, the way the devil defeats us or keeps us from changing or transforming is he starts with thoughts that are contrary to the Word of God. He's never going to change. He's a lousy husband. He's a lousy husband. He's always going to do that way. He'll never love me the way I deserve. Or that boss is always going to mistreat me. He's always overlooking me. We start thinking things. You can tell when God's about to transform you because the devil will come at you in your head like you can't even imagine to the point it begins to hurt every thought that you have about that situation will hurt and the bible said this the dad ran the kid and set him on the mother's lap and he sat there till noon and then he died when you start thinking Thoughts are allowed thoughts to remain in your life that are contrary to the Word of God. It doesn't kill you instantly. But if you allow yourself to continue to think them things, it's only a matter of time. She sat there till 12, and then he died. You'll start thinking, my husband's a lousy husband. And you allow yourself to think that for very long, for a long time, that marriage is on its way to dying. You start thinking that this cancer is going to kill me, this cancer is going to kill me. You think that for very long? The cancer is going to kill you. You're going to think what you allow the enemy to put inside your head. And you allow it to stay there for any length of time at all. The result will become that I'm never going to be any good. I'm always going to be a loser. I'll never be able to support my family. If it's contrary to the word of God, it's out to destroy that area of your life. And the Bible says he died. And when he died, the Bible says that she knew what to do. She picked the boy up 
and she took him up into the prophet's room and laid him in the prophet's bed. She put him in the place she had built for the word to be. She didn't go put him in his room. Do you know why she didn't put him in his room? Because the word had the authority in that room. Every other room, they had the boy's room, that was his room. Why didn't he put him in the living room? Because that's family. The room that had the authority of the word of God was the room that was going to transform this death to life. Anywhere you give in your life the word of God, complete authority over feelings, thoughts, emotions, past, history, You give God's word the authority in that area. It's only a matter of time before what was dead lives again. And the Bible says this. She took off running to get the prophet. And when she got there, she knocked over and the prophet said this. Said, um, said, the servant said, how's everything going? Everything good? She goes, all is well. Went into the prophet. The prophet said, how's everything going? She goes, all is well. How's your husband? All is well. How's your son? All is well. She lied. When you read that, she lied. Why did she lie? Because she knew the power of the Word, I believe. Because, see, a lot of times, we don't put the power in the Word. And we'd rather tell people what's going on so they can give us sympathy. So they can feel with us. And hurt with us. And walk through it with us. But I'm here to tell you. Do you know what people are giving you when they give you sympathy? When people have no power, they give you sympathy. I want friends around me that when I'm hurting, they tell me what the Word says. Because that's power. I don't want them to put their hand on my shoulder and cry with me. I can cry on my own. I want somebody in my life to give me the Word. And so she went to the Word. And she didn't want sympathy. A good friend will tell you what the Word says. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, the prophet said, take my staff and go lay it on your body. And so she took the, he took the staff and went, lay on my came and said, did nothing happen. You need to understand this. Staffs are good. Programs are good. Man, I love the programs we have in this church. I'm so glad we got a youth group. But the youth group is not going to save your child. I'm so glad we got a children's church. But the children's church is not going to save your child. I'm so glad that we got married couples. And I'm so glad that we got Celebrate Recovery. I'm so glad we got Freedom. But those programs are not... If the Word of God is not being taught to you in those programs, there's no power in the programs. Even if they're connected to the church. You better make sure that the Word of God is what the authority force is. And then the Bible said this. So the the prophet went to the house, walked in, went to the room he had authority in. It was his room. And he said the boy was laying there. He said he laid on the boy hand to hand, eyes to eyes, mouth to mouth. And like I told the earlier, that is weird. You read in the Bible all the time. Why why do you do weird stuff like that, God? What what do you mean? When you find something weird in the Bible, step back and ask God, what is that for? And this is what I believe that's for. The Bible is showing us that when you get hand in hand with the Word, and you start getting eye to eye with the Word, and you start getting mouth to mouth with the Word, No matter what has died in your life, death is no problem for the Word of God at work 
with the Spirit of God in your life. Do you want to know the secret for transformation? You want to know how to make things change? One, you got to get in the power. You got to give the Spirit something to work with. You got to get the Word. And when you get the Word, the next thing you have to do is you got to create an atmosphere for transformation. Metamorphosis, scientifically, is what it's called. I don't, what I want to do is, I want metamorphosis to take place in my life. What metamorphosis is, you can take a ground crawling caterpillar, put it through the stage of metamorphosis, and it comes out flying like a beautiful butterfly. It would be just an amazing feat to me if the worm learned to fly, but it comes out beautiful. That's the kicker in it. It's not just usable and has this different ability. Now it's beautiful. And I've learned this. The uglier the worm, the prettier the butterfly. The thing about it is what makes the transformation is the cocoon. Do you know what the cocoon is? What a caterpillar does when it gets ready for that change to take place. It gets to a place and it reaches in and it takes a bite of a leaf. It chews it up. And it takes it and it applies it to its life. And it takes another bite of a leaf. And a cocoon is built by what the caterpillar intakes and puts back out. When you take the Word and you put it in you, and then you start speaking it out of you, a cocoon is beginning to be built. And that cocoon is a is protection from the things on the outside. But it also allows the atmosphere for the metamorphosis on the inside to make all things new. And what the worm that crawled into the caterpillar and it built with what it had come out of its mouth, it, what it fed on, it put out. What it fed on, it put out. It busts out one day in an amazing creature that you can't even tell from whence it came. Caterpillars don't even look like worms anymore. I was trying to convince my daughters the other day that this, cat, this butterfly was dead in our yard used to be a worm. No, no, Dad, it's got a body like a, a, a dragonfly. Don't, there's no, I was like, no, girls, you don't understand. I was like, it was a worm. And so then we went over to a pot and had all them little squiggly things in there, you know what I'm saying, in the water. I said, see, those are larvae. They're going to grow into a mosquito. But a worm has metamorphosis involved in it, and it's going to turn into a butterfly. That's how God works. See, if you want to just keep swimming around in this thing called life and don't apply the Word of God, you might grow into a blood-sucking mosquito. But you're not going to be a butterfly. It takes the power of God's Word, metamorphosing, transforming, changing. And I'm here to tell you, nothing is too big for the Word of God. Your son being dead is about as big as it gets. But see, God has no problem with dead. As a matter of fact, He tried it. He didn't like it. It only lasted three days. And He was done with it. Now He's living. And He decided that I'm so done with it, that I'm going to make sure that you never die. And if you apply the Word of God in your life, even if you die, the Bible says you'll live forever. 
You understand that the power of the Word of God takes everything natural and transforms it into something that only God could do. But it's the power of the Word. That's not the end of the story. Because, see, that to me would be just, just that would be enough. If I get the Word and I speak the Word and I make it such a part of my life that you know, when anything happens, that's the first authority I go to. And I work with it hand in hand. I work with it. I start seeing it, seeing what it says I see, and then I start speaking what it says I'm to speak. And I give it a place in my life, and I make sure that it has a table to work with, and it has a lamp to begin to illuminate and show me things. It doesn't stop there. The Bible says 12 years later, the same lady, the nation had went into a famine again. And she lost her home and those kind of things and went away. But the Bible says the king had heard of her. The king had heard how she made sure the word of God was involved in her life and built a place for it. The king had heard the story. How her son had died. And how the word came and brought things back to life. And he said this, everything that you have lost, I give back to you. The land she lost in the famine, she lost. He said, I give it back to you. See, that's amazing. But that's not where it ends. He says, and all the surrounding land is yours as well. I'm here to tell you, if your life is not where you want it to be, God's called you to be a house of transformation. He's waiting, hovering over you to change your life into something that He dreams about it being. That no eye has seen, no ear has heard, or even entered into the thought of man. God has these things that when you think are even good enough, He keeps giving you more. Because His Word never quits working. You know, they say that our universe is still expanding. They scientifically... You know, people think science and the Word are at each other. You need to know something they're not. They're actually hand in hand. The difference is, science is just a little bit behind the Word. You give science long enough, it's going to prove the Word for you. Because everything is held together by the Word. And the Bible says that the universe, I mean not the Bible, but the the science says that even today, the universe is expanding, it's still growing. The Bible says that the Word of God will never return void or not accomplish what it was sent to do. So it don't ever come back. It's not a boomerang that God threw out there and it's going to come back for Him. Now what He sends out, it will perform what it was sent to do. And even to this point, there's parts of our galaxy that we will never travel to, we will never see, or never probably even know exist, simply because voice and sound travels in waves. I believe that the voice of God saying, let there be light. is thousands of light years away still to this minute. Changing darkness and chaos. That lets me know this. If it doesn't stop traveling in space, it also doesn't stop traveling in time. That means that what the Word of God said 2,000 years ago about my daughters and their future... It's still going. It's still traveling. 
and still building, putting the right place at the right time, lining up blessings and favor in my life, over my marriage, over my job, over all the Word of God is at work on my behalf. I just have to give it room. I have to give it time. I have to give it a table so it can work. And I have to give it a light so that it can reveal and illuminate all that God has for me. And then I take hold of it. I put it in my mouth and I spit it back out until I fly in what that promise says I am. The Word of God will change you. It changed me. If you knew how bad of a person I was, you'd say, Cricket, you're still pretty much a jerk. Yeah, but I'm not what I was. And I'm here to tell you I'm not what I'm going to be because I'm not going to let the Word of God get out of working on my behalf. If you're here today and you say, Cricket, I need change from the ground up. I'm messed up from the floor up. You just simply need to apply the Word of God and give your life to Jesus and He will instantly begin to work for you. If you're not saved and today you would like to get right with the Lord, would you just simply apply the Word and raise your hand and let us pray with you? Because it will be the greatest decision you will ever make. It was the greatest change. It will change a sinner to a saint. It will change you know, a heathen to actually a good husband and a woman trying to be a good father. You know, it will do all kinds of transformations and it will continue to work. If you would like to pray with me, you just simply raise your hand and let's apply the Word. The Word says in Romans 8, 28, from Romans 9, Romans 10, 9 and 10, says that if I'll confess the Lord Jesus, and I believe in my heart that He died and rose again, I'm saved. Let's do that. Father God, we confess You and ask You to be our Lord. I ask You to forgive me for my sins. And I believe You died and rose again. And I believe your word can change even my heart. And I ask you right now, Lord, to change me from the inside out. Save me from the inside out. In the name of Jesus. Amen. That's the power of the word. Sins forgiven, life changed. I want to put this challenge before you. Get up tomorrow and find a scripture about the darkest part of your life. And you speak it all day long. Bible says in Psalms 1, it says that they that meditate on the word day and night will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. They will bear fruit in their season. Their leaves will not wither and everything they do will prosper. The Bible says in Joshua 1.8, it says that if I don't let the word of the law depart out of my mouth, but I will meditate on it day and night, everything I do will prosper and be a great success. You want to know how to transform? You live the word. You speak the word. And you let it work in your life. Amen. Father God, I thank you that you're blessing everyone here today. Thank you that you're giving them peace. You're causing your face to shine upon them. And you give them peace everywhere they go. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hey guys, tonight at 4, we're going to... Um, um, duh, tell me where we're going. <laughs> Wings of Love. Right, we're doing pop-up service tonight at Wings of Love. It is a, it is a transitional facility where people... Uh, that have been released out of prison. They get to come there until they work for someone. Then they're released on into prison. We're going to go have a pop-up. We call it Victory Pop-Up. We're co- taking the food truck, cooking amazing hamburgers, amazing rib sandwiches, and we're going to preach the Word. Praise Team is going to lead. Didn't they do an amazing job up? I mean, they do it every week. But something was special about today. Justin, y'all did an amazing. They're going to do tonight. But then I got a message I feel like God gave me called Made Men. 
And so we're going to preach to these guys that have been locked up that the enemy's probably told them their life has come to a point that it's not going to get any better. But I'm here to tell them they're made men in the name of Jesus.